Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi! Welcome to ScamWow. I'm Caitlin Brodnick. I love scams and I love you. So excited to be back for another fun as hell episode. Today we have Rekha Shankar, who is so funny, guys. She's a writer for Animaniacs. She was a writer on Netflix's Magic for Humans, which we just adore. A writer for NBC's Grand Crew, which is premiering January 2022. And in 2020, she was selected for Just for Laughs New Faces Creators, which is a huge deal for comedians. It's awesome. I cannot wait for you to hear her. It's fabulous. We're Zooming. Her dog's involved. Pops in every now and then if you hear something in the background. Um, And this episode to clarify up front, because I think we talk about it, but we also talk pretty quickly (laughs) because we are having a lot of fun. It's about how in 1984, Michael Larson went as a guest to Press Your Luck, the game show that is famous for saying like, no whammies, whammies. And this is in the 80s. Now there's a new version, but he managed to scam and win the jackpot. And it turns out he won the most in television history ever won at that point on a game show. He was a lifetime scammer, and there is a hysterical documentary about it made by the Game Show Network, and it's just, it's ridiculous. Is it a scam? Isn't it a scam? Is it a savant? You tell us. Let us know. Always, you can email us at Podcast. Contact us at contact us on Instagram and call us on our hot tip hotline because you know I love a phone call, which is 347-509-9414. I'm going to have that on my tombstone. Like, she wants a phone calling hell. I mean, heaven. Who knows where I'll be? (laughs) It's nebulous. Okay. Uh, Life is great. My son is loving school. I hate that he loves it secretly because I wish he was a tiny little baby in my arms again. The wind is blowing, a storm is a brewing in New York City, but I'm so excited to share this episode with you. <laughs> Enjoy! I am such a huge fan of these kinds of scams. I think these are the perfect scams. I I love it. <laughs> well, because it's like, it's it's like not it's not even a scam. It's like yes. your great your game was broken. Yes. Uh, if someone cracked the code, you he viewed it as it. a scam. It's like a legal scam because it's like, well, he just cracked a code that was already there. He it wasn't like he stole. He played all the rules, but he just he was smarter than your game. Yes. So guys, we're talking about the game show scammer, which is who is Michael Larson, who went on to press your luck in 1984 and 
like like we were saying, cracked the code and won the most amount of money ever won in a game show at that time. We both watched the Game Show Network documentary on it that they frame him like he is a high class murderer, serial killer. Like the, the severity behind this documentary was so comical to me. Yes. It it is very severe. What's crazy is like he like has some spirals mental health wise oh, yeah. after it seems uh, yes. after he wins all this money. But I'm like, I, I mean, really, he's just a dude that sat and watched this show one billion times and figured out the pattern on the board. Right. It almost is. It did sort of look like he he did have it was a person with a mental health issue because as yes. they talked about in the documentary, he set up his TV with multiple TVs playing yeah. VHS tapes and live of past Press Your Luck shows. I think it was up to a year he watched it. Like He just wow. sat there and watched it. He neglected his relationships. He had a son. No mention of that or seeing of oh, him. Geez, yeah. In the documentary, they show his um, common law marriage wife like painting miniature dolls in the background and i was like i need to know her story okay like, wait wait zoom yeah rack wait focus, a minute zoom yeah how did the documentary go like and you know instead of having her like cooking or knitting in the kitchen she's painting tiny porcelain dolls and looking over her shoulder i was like this is ripe <laughs> this yes. is ridiculous absolutely so yeah as reiko was saying is that he sat there and studied to find if there was a pattern or a glitch or anything remotely connecting the outcomes and press your luck. And yes. this was 1984. The computers were still new. Oh, God. I just got to text my husband. You're shouting again. <laughs> we have That's a three-year-old and I shout so a lot. funny. That's incredible. So he, he watched it to see if there was any glitch. And it turns out there were only actually five patterns. And he was the first person to figure out that suddenly you can find the sequence and you can figure out when it would get on a certain square. Yeah. And do you want to explain Pressure Luck? Yeah. It, basically, it's a game show where there's a board that has a bunch of little tiles on it. Mm -hmm. It's a like a, a, a real life uh, board that you look at that, and each of the tiles lights up in a quote unquote random pattern. Right. And depending on what the tile is, you could win like a vacation or you could win a hundred dollars or you can get what's called a whammy which is like the equivalent of spinning bankrupt in will of fortune or something yes and it was like a one in six chance of getting a whammy yes. because there were multiple whammies on the board at the same time it wasn't just yes. one whammy here or there it was like yes. you really got slaughtered by the whammies and if you've ever played those arcade games where yeah. you're like you have to push the button to land on like the 1,000 tickets or whatever. It's a very similar concept that's just kind of like hand-eye coordination and reflexes. So yes. like very often, you know, people will not hit on the thing that they see because you're. You, it's very hard to you have your brain communicate with your hand that quickly because the lights move so fast. But and I think they set it up that way on purpose. They're like absolutely. the ones right before or that look exciting by the time that you get your hand down. Exactly. It's, it's already on to the next one. Right. Exactly. And so the only way you could sort of preempt that besides having like incredible hand-eye coordination is if you memorize the pattern on the board. <laughs> it know? was so smart. It yeah. was so smart. I thought it was amazing. And what's really funny is that Impress Your Luck, it's this charming host who's like dressed in like a pink bow tie mm -hmm. vest combo, looking very charming, chatting up like all creepy 80s hosts did. Um, but it, all of the contestants were very loud, just like our game shows now where you want to have sort of like the craziest person off 
on their meds, but almost off their meds and like yes. jumping and squeezing and cheering. And then uh, they're always losing. They're constantly, like, no one does more than I think like $11,000. Like that was the first guy. He was a big night. He got $11,000. Yes. And at that time, game shows never gave more, I think, than 30000 Yeah. So like I see the the like statistic or whatever for how much this guy made. So Michael made like $110,000, which would be the equivalent of making $283,000 in one day on a game show. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. And also nowadays they're like they have who wants to be a millionaire. Like now it did say in the documentary that it set everything up to that level like okay people want more it's more exciting yeah but the so yeah it just was so fascinating how i was really cheering for michael the whole time i, I was too until you hear yeah. about like oh you're bad to your common yeah. law of all these other things but yeah like yeah. it is this kind of like oh if you just study you can <laughs> beat the system like i like that i respond to that <laughs> i did i did and then also it was really funny because everyone in the documentary who was trying to give these personal anecdotes like god you know it really ruined us all these are network executives who are already millionaires so you're talking about yeah. millionaires who are always like you know it cost cbs studios a lot of money it's like yeah. bitch you make so much money you're fine right. <laughs> right there's a really interesting episode of planet money about like game mm. shows and how you produce one when you don't know who's gonna win oh, and wow. how many people will win and it's like it really is a lot of like game design where you have to design a game that like most people will lose so that right like casinos yeah like you can't and oh, not not and not lose completely, like mm. on millionaire, right? Right. Everyone usually walks away with something, something. whether it's in that one thousand dollar tier, the like sixteen thousand dollar tier, whatever. And that's like chump change to like a network, like ABC yes. or CBS or something. Um, but like to account for like how many people are going to win a million dollars, like I don't know, you know. Yeah. In the first season, if you want to be a millionaire, one person did, and that was like wow, incredible. Okay, incredible. it's like just right. enough to get you to like, I'm going to tune in again, or I want to be on this. Because yes. if nobody wins, that's also a really bad game show. Exactly. So it's like, and then to budget for that. Then it's like the show Wipeout, which is a different game show that I love when people get smashed by like absolutely. foam cones. I really love a Wipeout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So exactly. They um they started, it really did set a whole new precipice for no. what audiences also wanted. But they, did you see in the documentary, they said it only aired one time CBS did not let it go in any reruns yes. and it didn't get as much fame and attention as really Michael wanted to because I think he, and we can talk about like his downfall afterwards, but the amount of work and time and sacrifice he put into memorizing these codes, I think he really wanted more pats on the back for that. Like it seemed like everyone kind of shunned him and wanted to keep it quiet and pay him and move away. But he was really like, guys, I worked so hard for this. It's embarrassing to the network, not not yes. defense of the network, but it's no. embarrassing to them. That's like, wait a minute. Your thing was like figure outable your like random yes. sequence it probably is embarrassing to the other contestants that have been on the show oh what the one woman was pissed the whole time i'm every positive. time they turned to her she was like i wish i had won like she was so crazy yes yes so like i get that you don't want to ruin the allure of your game show that's supposed right. to be like you know a game of chance or whatever and yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah no actually it's not like that's why you can't 
count cards at a casino and shit like that because it proves that you can break the game. Yes. And I felt like he – so when he had the sequences, so there's five sequences and let's say there are 18 spaces going in a border – there's like a picture in the center of him ready to press the button. And then around him are 18 little squares in a border. Each yeah. square lights up. And what it was is that he found a sequence that basically said square one, then square 12, then square nine, then square four would hit. And he was able to, by the time he saw square one and square 12 light up, he knew that nine and four were next. So when it went to <clears throat> nine, he pressed down without it even going to four because at the moment he pressed down was actually the exact same moment that the board would show the next number. Yes. And he also realized that like number four and eight on the board never had whammies. So if he pressed it down in that speed, working with his you know patterns, then he'd guarantee to not get a whammy. But his first try, he tried a pattern and he got a whammy and he was completely devastated. But you could see his mind working that he realized, okay, his speed of pressing down. There's a delay, yeah. There's a delay. So he had to, instead of pressing when it was on the four, he pressed on the nine right before it went to the four. But also those spots of the, where there were no whammies were like the big cash money spots, like the 4,000 plus another turn or a trip to Maui. And- and it's really funny in the documentary they show him like slowly sweating and freaking out like this is the per- this is a mastermind. It's like he just he's just working very hard. He's yeah. just like, he's just taking it very seriously. <laughs> totally, it's very uh, interesting because I, I did the Game Show Network produce that documentary or did it just air on the Game Show Network? Because there is a thing like whenever I watch a documentary, like when I watched The Last Dance, I loved it, but it's like produced by the NBA. I was like, okay, cool. We're not going to get anything salty about Nothing Michael Jordan else. in this. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, Let me see. And there's something in that regard of like, depending on who produced this, I'm like, oh, I could see them trying to be like, this guy suck. What was very bizarre is that Press Your Luck guy hosted it. And he was the original host of Press Your Oh, Life, yes. Yeah. Which was bizarre. Again, like bias in all directions. <laughs> so much bias. I think it had to be produced by the Game Show Network. Yeah, it was produced and aired by the Game Show Network. Okay, yeah. And so the Game Show Network had this... The soundtrack was like a CSI investigation criminal intent. I mean, they really Absolutely. pinned him as this terrible guy. And, and I was like... I was watching with my husband, of course, and I was like, I think he has... A disability, like he definitely has a social disability. There's something going on. He talked about. They made the joke on the show that he uh, ran an ice cream truck and he was at the point unemployed, and he owed his daughter a birthday gift that he never gave her. Like this person wasn't mm-hmm. actually thriving in society and doing yes. really well. And I think he came out there to win, but I don't think he came out there to ruin someone's life. And no. I asked before this podcast, I was like, wait. Did the Game Show Network like implode after this? Because they they kept saying, and we were never the same again. Like and we uh-huh. were never changed again. And they were fine. They just kept going. They kept throwing yeah. money at things. Yeah, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, <laughs> I think maybe there is there had to be more technology yeah. considerations given to these games. You have to like have the advancements in computer technology that make the board actually randomized, right. which I am now looking that they called Larson proof. Uh, oh, wow. That's, <laughs> That's amazing. And that his brother, mm-hmm. uh, I think, went on the show. Oh, as a guest? Mm-hmm. Oh, Larson's wow. brother. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. So Larson has passed and he died um, to throat cancer. But at the time, no one knew where he was. He was hiding as a fugitive. He was in Acapulco. Acapulco, I think. Or Acapulco. Upka, Florida. Up Florida. Yeah, Acapulco is a different yeah. place. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is there an Acapulco, Florida? I don't know about it. Uh, yeah, he showed up there and basically spent his money right away. And he also got robbed right away. He got robbed $50,000, right? Yes, Which is immediately. like half of what he made. Well, and the thing too, the, his just the gears were working in one direction for him, and then that was it. Like he, he didn't, he cashed out all of his money in singles. He brought it all to his house yes, for one of those like competitions where you like match the serial number to the dollar bill kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Then yeah. yeah, then there were competitions, and he was like, maybe we'll have the serial number. Like he kept trying to find other ways to win, but it did seem like they were just walking around their apartment with bags of cash. And if anyone, if a mailman, if anybody walked by, they'd be like. This is insane. Like, he really needed to start hiding his stuff and learning from other people that are hiding cash in any way. An accountant. Who cares? Um, but he, it was all out in the open. It was very, very ignorant. He had so much prep and preparation for the game show, but then no actual life experience. Yeah. Which made it sort of tragic in a way. I was reading this, like, finance person I follow's Instagram today, and they were like, what to do if you somehow actually win the lottery, which is, like, kind of similar to winning a game show. But, what did they like, say? It was like, uh, shut your mouth. And, like, yeah. don't, don't, like, I mean, this is different because it's a game show and it's, like, very public. But, like, yeah, don't yes. fucking yap about it to everybody uh, and make don't yourself a target. Me. Two, don't change anything about your life. Uh, like yes. for at least like six months mm-hmm. and three, like start investing, uh, mm-hmm. put like a huge percentage of that into like investments. I'm like, yes. yeah, <laughs> that all real. checks out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing too. Cause we've, we've, uh, we haven't really covered many lottery contestant winners on this podcast, but uh, yeah. I've personally been sort of fascinated with it as a child. And a lot of time they call it like the curse that someone gets it, someone becomes incredibly public. And then once you buy that house, there are state taxes, there's property taxes that suddenly you have to start paying for. And if you blow your money all right away, in the next five years, you won't be able to continue those Absolutely. payments on that you house. you can't. My friend, no. this is smaller scale than that, but my friend won some like Game of Thrones thing where it was like uh-huh. a trip to San Diego from New York City. Yeah. And so that wasn't a cash prize, but it was like they put her up in a nice hotel, blah, blah, blah. Amazing. She had to pay taxes on that, even yes. though it was not a cash prize. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. We have a good friend and a listener, and she'll be excited that she won on The Price is Right. Uh- is it Austin? No. It, oh, okay. Because I have <laughs> no. another friend who is on the prices, right? Yeah. But now I got to hear about that. But um, yeah. no, another friend of ours who um, we know from like from forever ago and from yeah. restaurants and worked with my husband, she won on the prices, right? We went to see, but she couldn't tell anybody about it. And we went to see the opening in this bar. It, during the day, they opened up for her in Sunnyside and we watched it Incredible. and we were so thrilled. But then there was all this planning in the background that she she won a car and she said it was the feeling that you just, you actually do run up on the stage, like something comes over you and you start running up on the stage. But um, you she did have to, I believe, pay taxes. And then she was like, I think I'm going to sell the car right away because the, value-wise, 
what am I going to do with a car in New York City? And it loses value pretty quickly. Like once you get a car, they're not that great after, not 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 that great, but a used car, it, they go down in value after a year. Mm-hmm. And so it was all this discussion of how she was sort of going to finagle this amazing look. But I felt so stressed out. I was like, I could not handle this much. And the car was being shipped from California. And I think she had to pay for that. I, I can't Ugh. exactly remember the details. Yeah. yeah. But there was a lot of work, even though it was amazing and a gift in so many ways that there was so much behind the scenes that nobody imagines when they're first like buying all those like yachts and stuff. As soon totally. As yeah. Totally. Yeah. You got to have uh, your your head on your shoulders. Uh, <laughs> you, it, it's, you have to like run a little small business kind of. Mm-hmm. Well, have you heard about that new tax thing that if you get, I only see it because it's on TikTok and I'm like a TikTok slut now, but um, yeah. it's if you buy one of those huge Hummers or whatever, like a car or something that is enormous and has a certain amount of weight to it, you can take that off. You can deduct that from your taxes. Why? It's considered a business expense and a business. It's it's disgusting. It's like one of the gas guzzlers trucks. One of these guys I follow who's like, follow your accounting tips. And he's always running around somewhere in, I think, Asia and Europe. Uh-huh. And he's just the best. He's very cool. I'll put it in our link below. But he, I yeah. really like him as an accountant. And um, he was saying that there's this U.S. like tax break that if you file one of these huge trucks or cars or like you see a contractor with an enormous truck he doesn't need, yeah. if you put that as you can write all of that off on your taxes. So whatever you'd pay that year, you wouldn't have to pay the $150,000 you paid on that car. Weird. And, and put it under your account. It's very weird. It's very weird. Because I it's not good for the environment. Ah. It is in no way helping anybody else. But it's a way I think of that like the weight and something of the car. I don't know what it is. And I kind of think it was one of those guys, if you're an accountant out there and you know how this thing got yeah, started, hit us please, up, please DM me. I love accountants. I need to ask you about my own life. But um <sighs> it seems like a loophole that was created because like some rich guy, like some Amazon person was like, I have a big truck. I need it to get written off. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, that makes no sense to me. Yeah, makes no sense. <laughs> it's horrible. Wow. Beautiful. Um, yes. He won $30,000 in a radio game because out of all the bills he got when he brought all those dollars home, when he cashed it out, he had to match a serial number with the same serial number that was on the bill that this radio show was uh-huh. hosting. So he got $30,000 from that. And I think what well, people were saying that he really became hungry for these fast, easy, quick Absolutely. fixes. And if he succeeded twice, he's doing great. Like there, there's, there has to be something in your psyche that goes like, oh my God, I beat a whole system. I beat a whole network. I'm invincible. Yeah. And then from then on, he got involved in a multi-level marketing scheme called Pleasure Time about a Ponzi scheme that involved a lottery in India that never existed. And so he was on the run for that. Like he just... He has a lot of issues and he's unstable, but I am so impressed with the amount of time. Like he did old school minority report, like putting TVs up, studying how to just crack this case. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, it is truly wild. And in a time that is like, like like you said earlier, like pre-internet, like this is not stuff you like can look up. He's not looking up ways to do this he's just making everything up on his own basically and 
I, it was very interesting because we were watching the documentary and they kept saying it was uncovered, it was undiscovered how he figured it out. And every, I think people were wondering, did he have an earpiece? Did he have a person on the set that was giving him clues? I think he won rounds of like hitting the ball and, and winning his luck 42 times. And the tech people listening, I think one guy was home, one person was a PA at the studio. She said at six, they were all like, something has happened. He has cracked the code. The people that created the code had also said early on, like, there's not that many codes. I don't think, you know, it's not perfect, but the press your luck producers, the director, they just didn't have that much faith in their audience. They'd never been proved that somebody would study that much and create sort of that web-based not like of knowledge. Because mm-hmm. if I had created a program and somebody was crushing it in front of me on live TV, I'd know something had happened. Absolutely. And that's like the embarrassment factor. And it's yes. just like, it's so interesting because like nowadays, you know, someone on TikTok would find that in one evening, like the show would yes. happen one night and they would figure yes. it out. Um, yes. But like, I just feel like it, it is just so different then. Like that's such a surprising uh crazy thing to have happened then. Yes. Well, he walked that all the other hackers could run. And so yeah. I think I think it's pretty incredible. And and we were saying on the documentary, everybody was so sorrowful. They were so upset yeah. that they got caught. When it was like before, you were just duping all these people. People, people were coming on. You were using their like disappointment and shock as your complete entertainment. You know, they weren't really paid yes. very much. Absolutely. And, and this guy did it. It was it was just I salute him so much. Now was he a horrible dad? Yes. Did uh, he? Yes, for sure. <laughs> Terrible. Did he neglect his uh, common law wife who painted dolls? Yeah. You know. Um, did he? Didn't he like abuse her like physically? Oh, she said. Yeah. She was like a feared for her life. Horrible. Yeah. Bad. Horrible. <laughs> bad. 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 Horrible bad. guy. Yeah, he should have been on the run because he was also then duped people out of money. But there's something about conning a network because you're smarter than the network. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's so admirable in that way. And that's it. And he should have just. But I will say, if you're somebody who can take that much time, who spends Mm -hmm. a year ignoring your family, staring at computer screens, that much work also does make you a crazy person. (laughs) So I mean, you probably aren't going to communicate. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's a thing where, like, right, like, if someone goes on Jeopardy and decides, like, I'm going to memorize every single fact in the whole world, we're like, that's good and admirable because facts are useful, but the patterns <laughs> on a board are unuseful. So this man is crazy, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So I, it's like, I don't think what he did was scammy, but I think that at the cost of the rest of his life, like, you can't be an altogether healthy partner, person, father, and then spend a year staring at a wall full of TVs and not be like a super creep. Also the terrible. scam <laughs> was on to everybody else in his life. He like, yeah, he, you know, went out to cheat on cheat, you know, people in his life, uh, right. whether mentally, physically, all those sort of things. Uh, right. And then he actually did a scam after. So. Right. And also was a scammer. Yeah. Yes. He had three different kids from three different women, which is, yeah. you know, fine. No shade if you're a wonderful person and you can sure. contact with those kids and women. But that did not happen. Yeah. Um, and when he was also, this is very sad. When he was dying, he called his common law. We'll have to call her name. Teresa. Yeah. Was her name uh, to ask to speak to his son when he was dying. And his son did not want to speak with him. So that also speaks magnitudes with. If your father was never there, never around, you know, he did this one crazy thing that he was really proud of and then really was just garbage afterwards. Um, 
Absolutely. But so smart at that time. <laughs> that one that time, time, if we can take that capsule. Woof. And it, it, it was really funny because in the doctor, too, they keep slowing down um, shot for shot of his face when he would press something. And they were like, he looked like he was in a trance. He looked like a little boy with a video game. And it was like, yeah, that's, he was working his ass off. Yeah. And that gets, <laughs> your show really is hard. sort of just like a little video game. Yeah. Yeah. We're playing a live video game and he's you trying have a to win. with lights. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just so funny. They're like, now we have 45 different codes. And, you know, we worked very hard. And I just really loved how I mean, I just thought the whole thing was so ridiculous how horribly those people made it seem that he really ruined their whole lives when it was just yeah. like an afternoon. Yeah, and simply fine. So small. When really you want to hear about Teresa, you want to hear about those kids, those dolls, like yeah. really their lives <laughs> those were dolls, ruined. Yeah. Those dolls' the lives, lives were ruined. The lives of the dolls, okay, yeah. Yeah, are they cracked? What happened? What happened? Did she yeah. leave because he cracked a doll? Like that's yes. important. Yes. Yeah. I just want to know so much more on the other side. And I think nowadays somebody, I'm sure there's going to be a TikTok with somebody going over it (laughs) (laughs) and like finding out his life. That's what's so, that's what's so exciting that they didn't have them. They didn't have the internet. Exactly. You know, any of that, any skill, any ability to. Yes. But also this has happened with other game shows. It happened with Price is Right. I think something happened with Jeopardy similarly, where somebody just becomes like an obsessed fan, an obsessed expert. And are they good people? No. Like, do they have some sort of condition where you think they're kind of weird? Yeah. Um, would you not want to be alone with them in an elevator? Absolutely. But they have figured out a way to study and play against the game. And I know card counting is illegal, but I secretly love it. I think it's I, so I think smart. It's kind of, I think it's kind of goofy that it's illegal. It's like... Yeah, they're doing it. It's illegal to know how the game works. Right. Like, And it's, it's a... Com- most of it... All these computers are against us anyway. So these computers yes. are like geniuses that are yes. we're going to lose again. So why can't you figure out how to count a card? Yes, I think it's very goofy. I did not know that there was a Price is Right scandal. So I'm yes. looking that up now. Oh, yeah. That was wow. very exciting. It was so funny because in the doc, too, they said like one of the producers was like, I would never have cast him. I wouldn't have picked him. I thought something was off with him, but it's their loss. And it's, wow. it's like, yeah, you know, they screen them. They have people in these closet rooms and they talk about them they like they get all their information and then they're like great you're gonna be an amazing loser on this show (laughs) hey there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so yeah, so what 
If you could create a game show, do you know Ooh. what you would, to put you on the spot totally randomly with a yeah. dog on your lap, yes. what would be your like ideal game show? I love a drawing game. Oh, like a Pictionary? I think there wow. should be like a Pictionary. I, I don't really get why there isn't like family feud style. You could have it be like yes. two families or whatever. I think that would rule. I, I think it is so funny seeing so funny yes like and i'm an obsessive guesser if someone's like draws a circle i'm like tomato person head (laughs) circle apple what is it uh so i'm like very into seeing whatever that would be on tv what about you i wonder why there's not i feel like there'd just be so many penis pictures accidentally that they're like that might be true that might be true but you know what the blur and a pixelated penis is even funnier when your grandma draws it like why not bring on the Fuzzy penises, guys. I think you have something in your back pocket and you should pitch it. Okay, <laughs> you know I'm going to pitch it. Okay. okay. I'm right, going to pitch it. Okay. Uh, that is so funny. I love, for my favorite game show, it would have to be something on a splash pad <laughs> because I think splash pads are so funny and crazy and really the most fun and people fall all I love people falling I hope you love wipeout you already said I love wipeout I love getting like I love getting like smashed with something really soft so like not a, a mean person with a pillow like a friendly pillow but something that really takes you out yeah. and then you fall on a bed of foam yeah, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. didn't break your coccyx but it looks real stupid yeah. I love that that's very yeah, funny. So I guess it would be a splash pad where you have to get across and it's either slime or water and you have to somehow run to the other side. There's got to be something with like math and numbers to make it kind of hard. But then again, I would fail because I'm dyslexic. So maybe I don't want to. Oh maybe I don't want to put that against me. Yeah. Yes. So I apologize if you hear me doing this and screaming Poppy so that this dog doesn't go run around my apartment. Poppy, get it together. We're talking I about know, what literally. kind of show would you want? What would Poppy oh, do? Is Poppy have a favorite all treat? dogs or something. Bones game show. <laughs> winning Bones. <laughs> bones for life game show. Yeah, truly. That's amazing. Now, is there anything where like you saw a game show as a kid and you were like, I totally could do that? Because I used to watch The Price is White with my bubby and then we would watch Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. So we watched like three different shows a day when I was at our house in Baltimore. Yeah. So much. And what what were your shows? I think I I was very, I was into all three of this. So I would watch those. Uh, Price is Right was usually on when I was at school, but like, uh, the other two I would watch every single day. Uh, but when it was a snow day or a sick day or something, uh, Price is oh. Right. I was like, I could crush this. I remember I knew the price of Flintstones vitamins at the time. I was like, wow, it's $3.68. Let's go. I think <laughs> I could have crushed that. I think I could have done uh, Wheel of Fortune. And I think I could have done Supermarket Sweep. <gasps> Supermarket Sweep. Now, yeah. I didn't have cable growing up because my parents wanted to keep us wholesome in some way and then now we're in the entertainment industry but we didn't have cable um but my husband said he was obsessed with supermarket sweep and it's such a sadness that i didn't watch it as a kid yeah but i that one do you just i'm imagining people just like running through the aisles taking everything absolutely but you gotta like get the highest price items and stuff like that and people always are like really still stupid about that you always have to like get the medicines and stuff like that that's the highest price stuff um and then you can find like little secret items in there too that have like a special like little marker on it or whatever yeah the game show yeah i love it i love it that's so funny Yeah. yeah i remember watching i remember 
thinking. Now, this is so telling. When I was like nine or 10 watching Price is Right going, if I spent all that time and got into that studio audience and they never called my name, I'd be destroyed. I'd be destroyed. I remember thinking of like the sadness and the desperation that I would have felt if I didn't get picked. Absolutely. I just remember really like connecting with those contestants who then or or got picked and never got to get on the stage. I just I had a lot of sorrow for them. I agree. I agree. Especially now that we know people have been on it and you hear how much they had to do and like Yes, oh what was God. Austin's thing? Um she got to the Circus Showdown and she won. Uh she won like a uh, drone. Oh <laughs> Yeah. Anything else? Did she get to go to the Bahamas or anything? Don't remember. See, I'll that's have the only to thing I want. Her. I just want to yeah. have a bunch of vacations. Yeah, uh, yeah. Taxed vacations. I know. I know. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, that's so funny. In the doc, in the Google doc, there's a TripAdvisor review of someone being a guest on The Price is Right. What a scam. Never again. Told to be there three hours early to interview to be on the show. Stood in the rain in a line that had a thousand people that were never interviewed. Very disappointed in the prizes and how it was a total money-making scam. We paid $80 a ticket and it wasn't worth $5. They ought to be ashamed of themselves for running such a scam. I didn't know you had to pay. I thought it was free. I didn't either. Interesting. That's amazing. That's really interesting. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's very I love funny. It. One star. I want to talk. I want to talk to more prices, right? Rejects because that's uh, I feel very sensitively towards them. Absolutely. So sorry, so, Sharon. Jeez. So sorry, Sharon. Get it. We'll put it. We'll link it in our comments, guys. You can read all about Sharon. Um. What? So what is going on with you now? Besides this, we can send people over to see you. Yeah. So I'm check writing, out your channels. I'm writing for um NBC's Grand Crew, which comes out in January. Amazing. hasn't premiered yet. So that's been Amazing. a blast. I wrote on season three of Animaniacs, which will come uh, out in like 2023. So that's fabulous. Take a minute. But season two <laughs> comes out in November. So you should totally check that out too. Amazing. Um, and yeah, I host a live stream every week uh, with my friend Jordan Myrick called Talk Chef, where we review episodes of Top Chef and talk about cooking and food with different chefs and cool comedians. We've had like Lauren Lapkus on, Rachel Blue. We've had a lot of chefs from the show. I love on. Rachel. Yeah, yeah, total blast. That's amazing. That's yeah. so fun, guys. And we'll we'll put all of that. If you can send me that, I'll put all of it awesome. in our notes. Everybody can see it. And that's so fun. I'm so excited to cover this with you today. This was yeah, such a delight. This was so fun. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rika. It was so fabulous. We adored having you. We are so excited. And thank you guys so much for listening. That was such a fun episode. And I completely support the studying and benefiting because you learned way too much for your own good. I think that's fabulous. But you know, you should probably care for your kids too. It's it's so hard to do both. <laughs> And guys, if you like this episode, you can always rate us and review us. That would be awesome. You can email us at scamwellpodcast at gmail. Call us. You know all this stuff. And we're obsessed with you. So let us know if you were ever on a game show. Shout out to Emily. And we can't wait to see you guys next week. Bye. Attention, fans of fairy tales that are magical, hilarious, and grim. The award-winning Pinna original podcast, Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, has new episodes out now. While you've probably heard of the Brothers Grimm, you've never heard these tales told in quite this way. 
I'm Adam Gidwitz, best-selling and Newbery Honor author of books for children. And in Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, I share the real, weird, grim fairy tales with real, weird, hilarious kids. In each episode, you not only get to hear a story, but you also get to enjoy this group guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and sharing their own perspectives on the tales. Also, heckling me. They love to heckle me. The episodes are rated on a scale from grim to grimmer to grimmest, so there's always a great variety of tales to explore with your family. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes. <laughs>